0: You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar Sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. Welcome back Weekend Warriors. What a treat. Literally talking about my favorite Italian ice, better known, better known as sorbet from the great company Chau Bella and my favorite flavor, chocolate. Nikki and Keith Schroeder on the line. I want to thank you guys for, for doing this. So texture, how do you get to consistency? How, what's the recipe? How do you make ices? How do you make sorbet? And how is it different than gelato or ice cream? Sure.
1: Well, with gelato and ice cream, it's usually a blend of, of cream and milk and, and sweeteners as the base. And with with sorbet is really all you have to work with to, to shape texture. Is water and sugar. And mm-hmm. so what you do to, to, to attempt to get the, the texture really smooth is get to a right brick level. It's not unlike uh, harvesting fruit or, or making wine. And with sorbets, the brick level needs to be somewhere between 28 and 32. And you have to balance to make sure that the solids aren't too high. Otherwise, it could taste a bit like uh, frozen cotton ball, almost like fibrous and not and not so pleasant. So you got to keep the solids a moderate and then just get the sugars and, and and water ratio right and it's it's actually fairly
0: easy so this is the same problem eric Haydn had because you got a crack in the ice that his skate got caught in because obviously at that spot the ice didn't blend as a beautiful conforming force it led to a crack so you would get a crack in your sorbet if you open it up if the ratios were not right or the temperature was not right i mean it's the same thing no that's
1: exactly correct and, and so even from from 28 to 27 for instance it would go from feeling smooth and scoopable to being able to kind of knock on it like an ice pop
0: mm. and do you actually hire people to be tasters of your gelato and sorbet Yeah, it's
1: pretty cool in the offices every day when uh, the R&D team is working. They run around with spoons. I think I'm surprised all of us don't weigh well over
0: 350 (laughs) pounds. oh man when you think about the perfect job in life what do you do for a living i'm a taster for chow bella's sorbets <laughs> like oh my god <laughs> sign me up holy smokes let me I know a little bit another, about you guys have
2: found
0: another job. <laughs> uh, so let's start with you ladies first so nikki where did you grow up what did your dad do for a living what was your journey like how did you end up at chow bella
2: Oh, that's a great question. I grew up in upstate New York in Albany area. Nice. Um, yeah. I worked at I worked at a
0: hospital at Cooperstown. So you're not too far oh, okay. from Cooper's? Yeah, I actually did a um, a rotation up there. It was really just a delightful thing to be near the Baseball Hall of Fame, but there was a beautiful hospital up there affiliated with Columbia, and I was a medical student at Columbia, and I went up there. It's just the nicest people, just the nicest area. P- you say you're from New York. It has nothing to do with Manhattan, by the way, or Far Rockaway, where, where I'm from, but uh, it is New York, technically. It's beautiful area. All right, so you yeah. grew up in Albany. I-
2: I grew up in Albany. My father was a firefighter. Wow. Um, in in Albany, oh. and uh, he helped me develop my love of food. And uh, you know, it's very, uh, you know, kind of farmy up there. Mm-hmm. If you get outside of a get outside of Albany, there's a lot of farms, a lot of agriculture, and um, I've always loved the, that that farm ethic of uh, outside of Albany. And uh, you know, heading down towards the city, you get a lot of in the Berkshires, a lot of folks who just celebrate agriculture. So. That's kind of who I was growing up. And then when I met Keith in college, we, uh, we, we kind of collaborated on our love of food. <laughs> and, uh, right. And, he, and, uh, and, and so that's kind of where our journey started together was uh, in college. Hmm.
0: And Keith, what about you? What would your dad do for a living? Where would you grow up? Same area? Did you, and you went to the same school? But how does it all end up going to food?
1: No, no, I'm a Long Island boy, and and my father was, uh, and still is, uh, uh, athletic director and football coach. So I grew up with sports mm-hmm. running through through the veins, and listening to. Uh, WFAN in, in in New York incessantly, so uh, to be on a, a sports radio show today brings it full circle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're not just on sports radio. This is ESPN in Los Angeles. This station broadcasts the Lakers, the Rams, LAFC. This is a big deal for you to be on. This is the number two market in the country, and all your friends are going to hear about this because you should put this on the link, which uh, Steve Paulette can help you with. Because to be able to talk about sports and art and food all at once, this is what I do every Saturday, and I just love it. It's just fantastic. And we really appreciate you and the ability to care so much to make – you clearly are doing something because – Gelson's got upset when I said, not upset, they said, all right, relax, Dr. Clapper. We'll send you other chocolate sorbets. We just don't carry Chowbella chocolate anymore. So they sent me all these for Stunkina flavors and companies and they all made, Can, let me tell you something. They're terrible. They're terrible <laughs> compared to you guys. So the recipe, how you freeze it, whatever it is that you're doing, you are doing, you're the Michelangelo of sorbet. How do you That's like very that? Very kind. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Clappy. All right. So I want to know one other thing. What exactly goes into the flavor aspects of it? How do you pick is it you know, how do you come up with doing lemon versus watermelon or whatever it is? What kind of research do you put behind picking out what kind of flavors to make into a sorbet? You
1: know, some people think we have the coolest job in the world because we literally travel to, to Italy every, every two years for a big uh, gelato conference in Remedy.
0: And, gelato um, conference what, can you imagine? <laughs> a gelato conference. Are you here for yeah. the conference? Yeah, like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my it's God. Cool. <laughs> and they have coffee
1: and chocolate too. It's not so bad. Uh, and I,
0: you all you walk know, around we, like my grandson. You probably have all the chocolate still on your cheeks, on your lips. You're like, there's no <laughs> napkins in Italy. Like, you must be here for the conference. Your face is a mess. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> yeah, but we 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 travel. We travel, and we go to gelaterias all over the countryside, and we 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 watch other experts at their craft, and then and and try to learn from our peers.
0: You know what's interesting when you do travel? I was in Paris. I mean, I think about some of the greatest desserts I ever had in my life. And it's when you combine, you know, they talk about pairing, like the right wine with the right this, or in Paris, the right cheese with the correct bread, the right sauce. If it's pesto, it's a certain kind of macaroni, not spaghetti. The whole idea of pairing, and I remember being in Paris, I had pistachio-flavored creme brulee, pistachio, Mm. and the cover, so it crackled on top because it was creme brulee, And then they put Valrhona chocolate on top. And I remember the moment when I realized, oh my God, sugar and cinnamon, peanut butter jelly, the idea of pistachio with chocolate was like next level as a combination. And I'm telling you, combining your sorbet with the gelato also, it's so interesting when you pair things in food that it almost is one plus one is seven. It's not just two. Are you interested in pairing the the desserts that you make? Tell me about your philosophy about pairing the sorbet and gelato. So
1: much. And, in fact, the
0: the, the Chow
1: Bella brand was um, founded with the intention of being uh, a a product line for chefs in New York City back in 1983. And so um, that's how I uh, was able to to get exposed to the brand was as a young chef. And Mm. I just fell in love with the brand. So, yes, I mean— Like, imagine the chocolate sorbet with a little bit of, like, a a chilled coffee reduction, a Mm. dollop of cultured cream, something like this. You could really go in all kinds of cool directions playing with sorbets. And today, cocktails and and, and different gins and spirits drizzled over, like the the lemon or the mango, for instance, is uh, something that we highly advocate.
0: (laughs) So if you take a scoop of your vanilla gelato and you pour espresso over it, you don't want to eat the ice cream, you don't want to drink the coffee. What I do is I take the spoon with that junction between the melted vanilla gelato, where it meets the coffee with a spoon, You and it's called an affogato, right? That's correct. When you combine your chocolate sorbet and your chocolate gelato, from now on, I want you to call not an affogato, I want you to call it a forget about it, because that... <laughs> The great, it's Clapper's version. It's called the Forget About It. That's how good that is. I want to thank you both for making time to come. My address for my office is 8737 Beverly Boulevard. I'm looking forward to my case of chocolate sorbet, and you're going to hack a chinook of those middlemen characters who supply Gelson's so that chocolate sorbet from Chau Bell is back in the freezers so my gigantic audience can go get that stuff. And it's a real pleasure to talk to two people who clearly are passionate about what they do, because in the end, that's all that matters in your life. Ah,
2: thank you. It's an honor to, to be on the a call with you today.
0: Okay. My, uh, the feeling is mutual. Thanks again so much, and we'll talk soon. The great Nikki and Keith Schroeder from Chow Bella. Thank you both for making time. Appreciate it. All right, Warriors. Coming up next, we'll do some Clapper Vision. I definitely want to talk about LeBron James and his groin injury. I have a great Clapper Vision for you, and it involves a seesaw that you'll see at the park. What could LeBron James' groin injury have to do with a seesaw? I'll explain the anatomy coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show. The number is 877-710-ESPN.